0: Welcome to the Carl Bart podcast. I am your host, Corey Tuttle. And my two guests today are Dr. Ashley Coxworth. He is the senior lecturer in theology and practice at the University of Roehampton, and Dr. Travis McMacken, who is the Butler Bible Endowed Professor of Religion at Lindenwood University. Both of them are the editors of Carl Bart's Spiritual Writings. Travis, Ash, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, good to be here. And Travis, your job title is so much better than mine. <laughs> it's just, I'm really jealous. It
1: just, makes it sound like you've got more gray hair than you do, you know, senior lecturer. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. in the UK, senior lecturer is like the lowest appointment <laughs> you can <predict. laughs> doesn't make any sense. You can't just be a lecturer? You can, but then you're just, it's not a promotion. It's just like a, you know, pro- you've lasted. You survived probation. You, survived. In you haven't done anything really dodgy, then they let you then they let you hang on well that's an oh, achievement
1: I- though not doing anything really dodgy yeah not that they know anyway
0: yeah. and I'll, ha- I'll have you know the lowest title is theology tutor thank you very much <laughs> okay, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> which is what i am at the moment so <laughs> i'm just i'm clawing my way to senior lecture one one small tutorial at a time
1: <laughs> you can do it we believe in you
0: thank you i appreciate that um well, how we usually start these out is a bit of a get-to-know-you for um, for people who may be listening and who are not familiar with your background. Um, Ash, I've had you on a, a previous episode, um, but we'll we'll do it again just in case anyone hasn't listened to that episode. Um, so I'll start with you, Ash. Um, how did you discover Carl Bart?
2: Um, well, I did an Edinburgh um, uh, undergraduate degree, and in Edinburgh, you get to know Bart pretty quickly. Um, uh, I was taught mostly by John McDowell who's down in Australia Mm. Um, so he had an honours class on it was just the theology of Karl Barth so that was a third year course Um, but Barth featured you know from day one Um, I think my earliest just thinking is in one of David Ferguson's lectures Um, and this was in the lecture I maybe I told this story before but this was the lecture when I um, met my met my wife um, hmm. and uh, it was kind of day, day six of the undergraduate degree um, and it was in a lecture uh, on on Bart. Um, and I think it was David Ferguson, Bart on sin. Uh, so I always think you know it's quite a, quite a sweet story to you know the ending of a lecture on sin uh, I meet my future wife. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I credit David Fergus for introducing me both to Bart and and my wife um and he the party doctrine of sin he
1: set that romantic atmosphere yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I> mean,
2: <laughs> exactly uh, so yeah that was me really um through through my studies and then stayed on to uh do a master's with um paul nimmo on um bart <laughs> bart and <laughs> baptism actually travis and then went down to cambridge and worked with david ford on bart on prayer um, and I've been keeping my foot in the door of Bart studies ever since, um, and my other foot in other things. Um, but Bart's, Bart's my first love. No, my wife, my wife is my first love. Bart's my, you know, Bart's my, uh, uh, my dialogue partner that is going to be with me forever, I think, actually.
1: Your first scholarly love. First scholarly love, yeah.
0: <laughs> Both introduced by Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Travis, what about you? How did you get into BART? Oh, goodness. So I grew up
1: very evangelical, and I got into Calvin first. So um, that was before I even went to college. I got myself a copy of the Institute's. I still have it. It's bound in blue. It's got blue on the pages at the top, like a hymnal. It's I love that, that set of books. Um, and then I went to Wheaton College. And at the time, the Wheaton College Bible and Theology Department was really outstanding. Not that it's bad now, there's some great people there, but um, I got to study with a number of folks who had a very good grasp of um, contemporary reform theology to, you know, really just just say it. I remember I had a a class early on with Dennis Ockholm, who was a Presbyterian, but also a bit of a Pentecostal and also had us read some BART. And then I worked with Vince Baycote, who um, entertained my interest in ecclesiology. And I wrote a paper on baptism for him, engaging with, you know, BART's stuff on baptism. My first time I wrote on BART and baptism uh, back there as an undergrad. And then primarily I worked with um, Mark Husbands, who was at Wheaton at the time, and he was my undergraduate advisor. And he's a student of John Webster's. And so I actually had the chance to take a class on BART from Mark as an undergrad. And we read the first half of Church Dogmatics 2-2 and did election. And so um, that's what really set the hook. So, you know, coming from a background with Calvin and then having that framework to see how Bart is reconfiguring things in interesting ways. And after that, you know, I was sold. And um, I remember a conversation I had with Mark uh, when I got accepted to Princeton Seminary for my MDiv. I went to him and told him and he was excited for me, of course. And and I said, oh, by the way, did you ever send your letter of recommendation to let's leave this other school unnamed Mm -hmm. for me? he's just grinned. I mean, he said, no. (laughs) And then he said, do you want me to? And I said, no. (laughs) And then I ended up at Princeton and just kept studying BART after that.
0: Awesome. What was that like coming from Calvin, evangelical circles through Calvin, through BART? I'm interested because it's kind of my experience as well. I like became Christian my senior year of high school and then got straight into hyper conservative fundamentalism and then have slowly discovered mm-hmm. Bart after 10 years and then, you know, uh, <laughs> the last 5 years have been quite a journey. So, uh, did you have any experience like that? So, I wasn't a convert. And
1: okay. that makes it a different experience, I think. Mm, okay. Um, so I I grew up in it what I would describe at this point as something like a moderate evangelicalism. Um, and so I learned the Bible really well, and there are worse things <laughs> that one yeah. can spend one's sure. early years doing. And then, you know, getting into Calvin, because Calvin's theology is so infused with his biblical imagination. And, you know, one of the things I've really gotten into is in studying him later on is how his commentaries in the institutes interact um, in interesting ways. So, I mean, I love that about Calvin and then you hit Bart and Bart's the same kind of thinker, hmm. right? You have got to understand the biblical story and be familiar with the biblical text to really get um, what he's pulling out of that and how he's reworking the theological imagination. So I think, it gave me the foundation that I needed to really get what Bart was up to, hmm. um, on a, on a large scale. Um, once I encountered him. So, you know, for me, it was a very natural progression just as I studied and learned more and broadened horizons. And, uh, we may get into it later, but I always joke, I don't have much of an inner life. So I didn't, interestingly enough, working on a, on a book on spiritual writings, but, um, you know, I didn't really have, you know, I'm I'm a white dude, so I didn't really have unique trauma that I had to work through. I mean, there are certainly ways that that background shaped me that I've tried to overcome and, and that are still with me um, for good and for bad, but um, it was not a traumatic experience for me. It was just a very natural
0: um, kind of intellectual journey that I went on. Awesome. How did you both meet Ash? Like, uh, did, have you known each other for a long time, or is this sort of uh, a, a new friendship?
2: Um, well, we've only actually met in person once. I think yeah. that was the yeah. last year, where <laughs> they did a, a book panel um, on uh, on on the topic of this book. So that was that was great. Um, finally, to to meet Travis, but we'd um, corresponded for several years over, you know, emails for the purposes of this book um but before that we were kind of nearly um contemporaries uh studying BART different sides of the world um but um we we overlapped um a little bit i actually i went to um because I, I went to princeton um in my second year of my doctorate and i think um that was probably when we were probably actually a stone's throw away from you probably, did you work in the library like near the Bart Center yeah so yeah
1: so that, what year would that have been
2: that would have been oh and uh uh 2011
1: so we probably just missed each other so it would have been okay. fall 11
2: uh yes. yeah yeah
1: so I had so I had just um left over the summer of 2011 to come take this position okay i see and then i defended my dissertation november that fall yeah so we just missed each other i mean we would have been there for like a day or two at the same time but yeah because i
2: did did meet some of some of the people who who would have been your peers Mm -hmm. um so so maybe that's when i kind of picked up on your reputation reputation uh oh lord
1: and Um, and you kept you kept being friendly anyway
2: yeah But I tell you why I went to Princeton, and it was primarily because of uh, your man, Mark Husbands, Mm. Um, because at that point, you know, know, you're at that stage of doctoral work where you're, you know, fingers crossed, no one else is writing on your exact area. And I was writing on Bart's Ethics of Prayer. And sure enough, Mark's dissertation was under Webster, Bart's Ethics of Prayer. So I basically went to Princeton. This was before you could kind of get things, you know, through the internet and all that um to go on you know read Mark's dissertation. Um so it was a pretty traumatic experience for me actually reading a really great dissertation which never came out as a book. No and it didn't. It should have done. Um, and it's it a shame adorable. that
1: that we didn't know each other because I've had a digital copy since like right, 2004. No, okay, <laughs> <great>. Yeah
2: <cheers. laughs> that would have been really helpful. But it was it was a great study and it was exactly what I was trying to do. Um yeah. so uh so yeah I remember um remember those days in Princeton. Um but yeah, how did we meet? So that's, um, so yeah, so we we're working on similar sorts of projects. I went and
1: dug up the notes from the one podcast we did where we got into detail on this, Ash, but I'll just oh, right, do yeah. the the Cliff Notes version. Um, so Matthias Grebe connected us via correspondence in 2012. And we were talking about prayer and baptism and, and everything that we were working on. And then our, you know, fast forward five years, our books came out. I reviewed your book.
2: Uh, yeah, that's right.
1: And we talked about, like, we connected about that in January of 2016. And then in December of 2016 is when you emailed with the idea for this project, the Spiritual Writings Project. So after that, it was lots of BART Spiritual Writings correspondence. And I was thinking about it, Ash, I think we may have actually talked live more about the book yeah. after it was done than yeah, we ever yeah. did while we were working on it because it was just a lot of emails for the most part. I remember we had a couple conversations, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting to think about what this kind of work looks like these days as opposed to what it would have looked like, you know, fifty, hundred years ago. It'd been a very different experience.
2: Yeah, sure. You know, our, our doctoral dissertations were quite different, um, but we were. We were exploring, you know, similar sorts of questions around divine human agency, working with similar texts, you know, at least historically from the same historical period. You know, I was, I was, I was gravitating towards the ethics of reconciliation, so you know, the tail end of Bart stuff, and you know, obviously the baptism fragment for you, uh, Travis. But these were also sort of at the time neglected neglected corners of Bart scholarship. There were the the bits of Bart that people weren't all that interested in. Um but um but we were but we shared I think that a similar sort of interest for the more marginalized bits of Bart. Um and I don't think I reviewed your book, did I, Travis? Maybe No, missed you know, opportunity. Yeah, missed opportunity to return the favor. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, we shared so we shared that we shared a kind of similar stage of our careers, but also similar sorts of concerns and questions and ways of dealing with and handling Bart's texts yep. and ideas.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned that Ash sort of reached out to you about this project, yep. Travis. Um, how did that come about? Is that something that like the pub, like you just think there? This is a series that Bart is not in yet and needs to be in. Maybe, maybe I'm the one uh, to put this together, and I know someone who would be in, or how does that
2: work? Yeah. So this is, this is, this is, this was me, wasn't it? Let me just try and get the chronology right. So, I mean, I, I I don't know about you, Corey, but, you know, I love this series and and I've always, always loved this series. Actually, it's one of my go-to, go-to series, the classics of Western spirituality. Whenever I'm in a secondhand bookshop, you know, this is, you know, I always think, oh, there's, there's bound to be a copy of something or other, some obscure text in the series um, so I've been collecting them for years, um, and um, you know anyone who's broadly familiar with the aims and objectives of the series will know that it's one of those which focuses generally on pre-modern thinkers, and it's a Catholic press, so you know generally favours uh, Catholic uh, writers, um, not so much you know modern, very modern, very reformed theologians such as Bart. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew it was always going to be a bit of an ask you know, to try and get a, um, a a volume on Bart in the series. I had an initial conversation with Bernard Begin, you know, Saint Bernard Begin um, of, you know, Western Christian mysticism, you know, um, tradition um, at some conference in Durham. And and I just, I was, I was like, oh, what do you think about this idea? And he was really enthusiastic um, and he, but then he, he had just stepped down from being the general editor of the series. He put me in touch with or gave me, you know, permission to name drop him in, in correspondence with the publisher um, at Paulist Press. Um, and it was a bit of a it was a bit of a, a, a hard buy for them, I think. They were a little bit nervous about taking on someone who fell kind of outside of their you know, church tradition, historical period. And also, if anyone, you know, the first thing that people know about Bart's spirituality and spiritual writings is that. He didn't really have much <laughs> of a spirituality, um, at least, you know, described in his writings and didn't really have spiritual texts as uh, as such. Um, so um, this is just a very long winded way of saying that I needed someone else to work with. I really, I think, to make the proposal that I gave to the publishers um, compelling and persuasive. And I wanted, you know, um, to, to work with someone in the States um, who could speak to. Um, uh, and and work within the conversations that were happening in uh, North American scholarship. Um, And Travis was the first person I thought of.
1: Um, And Ash has never put it this bluntly, but I suspect that what he needed was a Princeton connection.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was was helpful. It was helpful. I wanted to different. tie
1: together the UK and North American BART centres uh, a little bit for the project and, and make it yeah. more attractive to the publishers
2: that way, which yeah. worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked. But I think it also said something about the nature of the book, too, that there was this initial suspicion. It was like, hang on a minute, what's BART going to be doing in this in this series? You know, what what status does BART have in the sorts yeah. of conversations that play mm-hmm. out? So to, um, you know, make, you know you know, we did need to make the proposal as um compelling as possible. And the peer review process, I think, reflected um, you know, the the thoroughness that the publishers, you know, took the proposal and, you know, um, wanted to, you know, make it the best it possibly could be. Hmm. When
0: when both of you set out to do this, I- I'm wondering like you're beginning conversations of all right, we're gonna make a volume on Karl Bart's spiritual writings. How did you decide what was in and what was out, I guess? Because I'm thinking the church dogmatics are massive. You have all of the writing around those. Like, mm-hmm. surely you didn't start like, all right, let's start in uh, the word of God and the- and theology and then read until like, well, let's finish church dogmatics four, read some prison-, prison writings and whatever, and then be done. Um did you have specific texts in mind as you came to uh, to do the project, or did you sort of just read around and, and take it from there?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are certain texts that it would have been impossible to leave out, right? Some of the prayer texts, baptism, all of these kinds of things that are very traditional, kind of church-oriented, <clears throat> maybe not. Spiritual practices, the way that that gets used, but very much church practices that are tied in with um, spirituality more broadly conceived. But then also, you know, we cast a really wide net um, and that's part of, you know, maybe it feels a little odd to include Bart in a spiritual series, as we said, because he doesn't sit down and write, okay, here's something spiritual that I want to say, or here's a meditative practice that I want to include or things like that. But he engages with um, key aspects of the Christian spiritual tradition all the way down through history. And um, so, you know, you start pulling those texts, you start pulling texts on those kinds of themes, you know, pride um sloth. These are spiritual themes that spiritual writers engage with um, in the tradition. And so we just started pulling everything that we could find and that we could think of as it intersected with that until we had more than enough to work with, which is always where you end up (laughs) with BART. You always have more than enough to work with. And after that, it was a fairly um, practical exercise, not only in shaping the different sections and, and organizing um, the way that the volume was going to work, but also, you know, what pieces of writing could we get publication rights for, mm-hmm. and for how much of the texts and so on. So we kind of had to balance the the spiritual and the capitalist, if you want to put it that way, <laughs> um, <laughs> as we as we brought the collection together.
0: As you've mentioned already, that um, Barton isn't necessarily known for his uh, spirituality or spi- spiritual writings. You mentioned that he's not necessarily a spiritual writer, but uh, there, there still seems to be an impetus that there's there's enough material there, and clearly there is. I mean, I read the book, and it, it's great. It's it's filled with tons of of really valuable things. Why do you think that his spirituality needs a book? I guess, like like what what makes you think Bart would be mm-hmm. perfect for this series when uh, he isn't necessarily known as a spiritual writer?
2: Well, I think, um, Travis, you'll have your own response to this. Um, but, you know, I, I see the book as making two contributions to different mm. areas of um, intellectual and um, uh, other sorts of activity. I mean, I think it's making an intervention into the spirituality studies thing to say, actually, Bart's, mm. Bart's a player here. You know, he's he's got a contribution He's, he's making a, a contribution and quite a distinctive contribution so in a sense he's not trying to play the spiritual traditions at their own game by their own rules right he's doing yeah. something which is quite true to his own form uh, and true to who he is. so he's doing kind of um, he's, he's doing a bartian spirituality really in, in, in a bartian key um he's, he's not trying to kind of do something that's not true to who he is. Um, and there are actually some quite complex conceptual issues that come from such a claim, actually, and we can we can talk about some of those. But there, there's there's a discussion there. Mm. The other distinct, but you know, obviously related uh, intervention that I think the book tries to make is in relation to Bart studies, and it's kind of doing something. I mean, subversive is too strong a word, uh, and and says too much of you know what Bart studies thinks it's doing but it is trying to say there is there's another Bart to the Bart that everyone knows and either loves or hates Um, and here's another way of looking at Bart Um, Mm. and it's this side of Bart that I thought um, you know this this series is a really good series for showcasing Um, and so I hope it could the book could speak to both of those you know often very distinct sets of conversations between spirituality studies on the one hand and the strange inner workings of the life of the Bart world. Um that there is this other Bart that actually you know isn't all that other anyway because you've you've read the book Corey, and there's probably there no major surprises in the book. And yeah. we you know that was one of the things that we thought you know by the end of it actually you know what have we really done here other than you know, present texts in in a slightly, in a different sort of light, uh, a different way of reading the same Bart. So we haven't got, we haven't found another Bart that sits Mm. alongside the dogmatics. This is the same Bart. um, But what happens to the Bart that we know and either love or hate when read through uh, a different paradigm, a different lens, a different way of, you know, seeing things and seeing what Bart is theologically up to? That's you know, how I'd begin to open things up.
1: Yeah, I, I wanna take a little stab at that too, Ash, and elaborate a bit on, on your thoughts there. Um, and obviously, as, as Ash and I have, we knew going in and it's been reinforced for us um, through talking about this project with folks after the fact, what the word spirituality means is slippery, very, very slippery. Yeah. And so um, to talk about BART as a spiritual writer, like Ash said, we're making an intervention, a claim about, you know, what this idea of spirituality can and should include. Um, so that's definitely a, a key piece of it that we continue to grapple with in conversation with some folks. Um, as we're we're putting together something else right now. But um in terms of Bart and Bart's studies, I the way that I kind of think about it, Bart was a theologian of the second article, right? Um, And so you've got a lot of folks reading BART and reading theology through the second article. Got nothing against that. I have those those instincts myself. But as I talked about in my bio, I kind of came to theology out of a very churched context. Mm -hmm. And all along the way, I've always been interested in the doctrine of the church and ecclesiology and church practices. So at Wheaton, I did a thesis on the Eucharist. And then I switched over to baptism throughout my graduate studies. so that's always kind of been where my mind lives. and in in for me, it's it's where does theology actually the rubber of theology actually hit the road in terms of Christian practice. And so that's where the ethical component comes in as well. That's how I make a political turn, you know, all of that is how is theology practical, not in the practical theology as a discipline, but you know, in people's lives making a real impact. And so, That's third article. Mm -hmm. And so you think about BART as a second article. You've got a lot of folks right now. Well, maybe not a lot of folks, but a substantial number of folks. And I think of Catherine Sonderanger as kind of out in front there, who's really focused on the first article Mm -hmm. and how do we and even Bruce McCormick, to a certain extent, takes BART in the second article and starts thinking about the first article on that basis. And somehow it takes a while for folks to get around to the third article. Well, Bart himself at the end of his life made a comment about maybe in the future it'd be possible to do a theology of the third article. And in many ways, I think what this collection does is gives you a Bart of the Third Article, <laughs> a way of getting in to Bart um through those kinds of concerns and considerations and, and encountering very quickly and directly um, those pieces of Bart's thought that bear most on the question of, you know, what are we supposed to do with this as Christians in our Christian life? Um, and so I tend to think, you know, Ash said, what have we done here? Um, I tend to think that we've given folks a really good intro to Barth um, for church folks and for people who are studying in seminary to become pastors and, and for folks who live out of that less out of the whole, you know, I'm interested in theology and therefore getting into BART, but I'm interested in Christianity. I'm interested in the church. I'm interested in this community and how to think about it in a reflective way. And here's BART, who's going to be able to help with that.
2: That's amazing. Um, Just a, one one thing yeah, actually there on, Travis, on on your comment there, Travis, and through the articles, I think, you know, I, I've, I've always wondered, you know, what is, What's Bart's key contribution here? Um, and we begin to set this up a little bit in the introduction. Um, but you know, I think what Bart offers spirituality as as a thing, as a discourse as well as, you know, a practice is was it was it von Balthasar spoke of Barth as a God-intoxicated theologian? And and that's really what Bart's spirituality is about. It's about God, it's theocentric, it's it's, it's theologically heavy, um, and maybe through the articles there actually that's that's one way of really reinforcing that point that spirituality isn't this you know cozy, comfortable you know loved up thing necessarily for Bart. It's a very serious matter. It's it's about it's about God. It's about it's part participation you know in the divine life of God, um, and you get all of those just amazingly rich dogmatic surges within Bart's spiritual writings. So I think, you know, his his stuff on glory, I think is just, you know, where a lot of this actually is, is, is theocentrically related. Um, It all flows um, from those dynamics of glory that you get in, in Bart's doctrine of God. Um, And that's really where, what it all comes down to. So, so that's one of the main offerings of the book of, of, of richly, I think dogmatic vision of spirituality, which is quite an unusual, way of coming at spirituality
0: Mm -hmm. you mentioned the introduction um one there's a line there in the introduction that that you guys give that i i think um if we explore it a little bit i I think it's sort of the paradigm setter like it just it sets up here's how bart is going to do this Um, here are bart's concerns when it comes to speaking of spirituality um so the, the line is um it's about you're right it's on page two there are several critiques that define Bart's life and that the primacy of religion of religious experience would lead down a cul-de-sac of the worst sorts of interiority. So that's the quote, the worst sorts of interiority, that that's, that's the danger. Um, so I'm wondering um, if, as we head into like, what does Bartian spirituality mean? What is bad interiority? Like what, like what, what are the, what's the content of that? And what makes it bad,
2: Ash? I want to
1: punt this one to you, if that's all right.
2: <laughs> okay, so I think for that we were we were trying to make the claim, and I think these are I vaguely recognise those that turn of phrase. So I think I'll, I'll claim that one right. <laughs> the um, but but I think what we had in mind there is that. A lot of the time, when Bart's talking about Bart, so Bart doesn't often talk about spirituality. And look in the index; there's no reference to spirituality. Do a search through, um, you know, the, the online Bart stuff, and you, you're not going to find much there. When you do find Bart speaking about spirituality, um, is is generally a bad word. It's a naughty word for um, uh, for Bart, and that's because it's often code for other stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a slippery concept in the sense that no one actually knows what spirituality is, and Bart clearly doesn't really know, um, but it's slippery. Also, it's especially slippery for Bart because um, it's it's coded behind it uh, all sorts of other critiques. Um, and in some of the uh, more kind of sustained treatments of spirituality, I I think really you know Bart's aiming at Schleimacher and you know the 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 the, the, the you know his, his the, the 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 stories that we all know about Bart's mm. relationship to um Schleiermacher. And I think that's kind of his his chief nervousness, uh, a concentration on matters of interiority is a kind of slippery slope into everything that he saw went wrong with, with Schleimacher. Um, which makes actually, and if you flip forward to the end of the book, spirituality is is a political thing for Bart. Mm. Um, and there's there's no real escaping that. And that's partly because I wonder um he, he's got a strong sense of what spirituality is not or what happens when spirituality goes wrong. I'd like to nuance that and you know qualify it in all sorts of ways, but I, I suspect, you know, whatever. What was what was that really insightful, you know, turn of phrase that you just mentioned, Corey, from the introduction? The
0: cul de sac of the worst sorts of interiority.
2: Yeah. I wonder whether that's kind of what he's getting at. What what do you think, Travis? Do you think? Do you think? It's- yeah, I
0: think that's right. But I mean,
1: we can track that. I mean, at listening to you talk, I mean, reading Schlarmacher after Flurbach yeah. is really the challenge that Barth has. But I mean, you can look all the way back to Augustine, right, and his Neoplatonism and the way that it impacts his um, theological work and his um, spiritual practice. And you know, Bart is kind of, <laughs> I don't want to say tone deaf to it, but also I kind of want to say tone deaf <laughs> to that whole register because yeah. um, I think he, he feels it's a, um, <clears throat> a really short trip to some kind of um, intellectual, emotional auto eroticism mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. actually doesn't proclaim the gospel in the world and make, the world a better place for people. And so, um, you know, looking at where Bart comes from as a pastor in Stauffenville, his, his political engagement there, um, working with the factory workers and and getting involved with different socialist groups. Um, I think Marx is also there, you know, kind of reading Schlarmacher after Feuerbach and then reading Feuerbach after Marx or in in tandem with Marx. Um, Bart doesn't want Christianity to be the kind of thing that gets used to prevent the world changing for the better. Mm -hmm. And then he sees World War One, he sees um what happens in the Weimar Republic in the 20s and then on into the Nazi period. I mean, he's seeing different ways that Christianity gets co-opted and undermined because of misplaced concreteness, because of what he thinks is um, focusing too much on what we think what we feel as human beings as opposed to as ash said focusing on god and so it's this reorientation away from uh, a focus on the self and the human and that you know lines up also with luther you know luther i think is the most quoted person in the church dogmatics interestingly enough um but that whole um kind of theological framework that comes from luther about sin being the human being curved in on itself and needing to become uncurved and outward focused we really see that um blossoming conceptually in bard as well and i think all of this is tied together with his reactions to spirituality and interiority
2: mm. i think um this was one of the this is one of the genuine limits i think in and this is obviously this didn't go into the proposal when we we're pitching the idea to the publishers but <laughs> You know, in a sense, I mean, I, I think you're right on the tone deafness of of, of Bart's reading of that whole tradition. Or, you know, even less generously, I think there's there's a certain kind of intellectual laziness, I think, that you find with Bart on the spiritual traditions um, as generally represented in the classics of Western spirituality so- sort of project. Um, because, you know, we know Bart read a whole bunch of stuff and engaged substantively and you know creatively and engagingly with you know a very rich variety of thinkers ideas philosophers you know theologians and and whatnot um but 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 not so much spiritual thinkers spiritual Mm. you know writers um or ideas uh so he's often working again this is the kind of we're dealing with now uber slipperiness because he's 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 kind of He's 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 citing, you know, straw men and caricatures of what these traditions are and rejecting them very, very quickly, often in you know, hardly half a sentence. He's just got rid of a whole massive tradition, you know, within um the Christian um the the world of Christian spirituality. So I, I mean there is that limitation in in Bart that you know, did did this guy really engage with the traditions that he was so swiftly rejecting mm-hmm. um or are these you know shorthands for other sorts of critiques um or what's going on there in in general so um you, you know there's i don't think we we've presented any answers to those sorts of questions partly because the source material isn't really there at least in the dogmatics mm-hmm. um i think you could do some quite interesting textual you know reception history sort of work as to where was where Bart was you know getting these ideas. Certainly with mysticism, you know, this concept that operates in Bart's writings, which doesn't really, I think, have any historical connection whatsoever to anything that's tangible or real. And he's 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 working with you know some of the established uh definitions of mysticism that were in his world around him, that have since you know been you know thoroughly dismantled as yeah. just a bit daft. And maybe you could do similar sorts of things with some of the other categories that Bart ends up projecting, which might fit within the spiritual register. So, you know, this is all really interesting stuff, and it does show actually that there's there's a genuine you know scholarly conversation there to be had around how Bart's handling these sources and ideas. Mm-hmm.
1: And but sometimes he will surprise you, right? So Ash, I'm thinking yeah. I'm digging through our volume and thinking about the section on monasticism. Yeah, sure fine print section where Bart actually stops and says, perhaps uncharacteristically with this kind of a a topic, you know, wait a minute, there's something here. And so he kind of treats um, the monastic movement as an indication that something went wrong in the church, (laughs) that it would have to, you know, kind of grow in this misshapen, I feel like he thinks way, Um, but that nonetheless shows you something very important about the gospel and about what the church should be like um so every now and then something will catch his attention and his usual creativity and imagination and for engagement will you know spring up in contact with the spiritual tradition but ash is 100 yeah. right it's the exception that proves the rule
2: yeah but then actually you know i'm now arguing against myself <laughs> and, and, and my, my, my former self at the beginning of this uh, podcast you know maybe that's travis a good example of Bart doing spirituality on Bart's terms mm, rather than yeah. on the terms of others. Um, so sure. you know, you you're kind of looking looking in the wrong place if you're gonna find it in the places that you'd expect. And that's why actually, you know, rereading the dogmatics for the purpose of this uh, project was was a genuinely surprising thing because you're like, oh right, oh hang on a minute, you know, I wasn't quite expecting expecting you to do that, but um, <laughs> so so yeah. Awesome.
0: So in the in Bart's biography, you sort of get this idea that he's flying by the seat of his pants as he gets hired on to be a lecturer uh, and is starting to read these sources that we're talking about and just doing his best to work his way through. And then uh as time goes on, it gets he seems to get more of a handle on it. Uh, I'm wondering uh Travis on your you have a podcast, uh the McCracken cast um where you uh, have the uh you you have this series on you working through Bart's getting in dogmatics. Yep. Um, so I'm wondering, is there anything that we see uh any difference in the young Bart who is sort of picking up these uh church fathers and trying to lecture through them um, in, in terms of spirituality as opposed to maybe later on as he's kind of worked through church history?
1: I mean, I might have to defer to Ash for the the genetic account of Bart's engagement with the spiritual tradition, but I can I can give a few impressions. And I mean, you say it's kind of like he's flying by the seat of his pants. Like, no, he one hundred percent is definitely, yeah. And he he says as much in his correspondence. I know there's there's one letter that I remember reading. Um, I think it's to Ternison where he's like, Yeah, I'm up till 4 a.m. writing and sometimes all of it's crap and I just have to cancel class and you know. Oh, so gosh. he he really was just kind of figuring out as he went along. And I I had a similar experience when I um came to Lindenwood to teach religion. I didn't, you know, I know Bart as well as most people who know Bart. Um but I had to teach Hinduism and Buddhism and all of these kinds of things. And I distinctly remember sitting at the kitchen table late at night, poring over these texts and putting thoughts together. And I, I mean, I can totally relate to the experience. Um, I, I also think that, um, one of the things Bart's trying to do as he makes his quote unquote dogmatic turn, and there's lots of things that he's trying to do. And, um, I like some of them better than others. And I do think there are key ways that he um, betrays some of his best impulses as he moves deeper into the 20s. That's a whole different podcast. Um, But one of the things he's trying to do is come up with a conceptual apparatus that will prevent two things from happening or would theoretically prevent two things from happening that had just happened a few years before for him. And the first is um, all of his theological teachers signing on to the idea that Germany needed to expand its territory as an evangelistic missionary exercise. Hmm. Now, this is not the usual um, long list of intellectuals supporting the war that most people point to. There was a shorter list specifically tied to the missiological point. Um, that I think is um, the one that set him off but that's that's one piece of it the other piece of it is the SPD totally rolled over in German politics and supported the war and Bart just felt both of these as a betrayal mm-hmm. um, a fundamental betrayal both theologically and politically and so he's thinking about you know what kind of understanding of the world do we need <laughs> where we don't make these kinds of mistakes and he's, he's turning back to the tradition, he's groping for answers, and he's trying to put something together, an educational program together for pastors that's going to help them go into congregations and preach and develop a form of Christian community and understanding of the world where these kinds of what he thinks of as fundamental betrayals uh, of the gospel won't happen again. And then Hitler comes along. (laughs) So it didn't work. Um, That doesn't mean he wasn't on to a few things, but um, it's that both that kind of missionary and political horizons that he worked with in his um, early years as a pastor that are really shaping his trajectory as then he moves into the Gerdigan period. And then it gets worked out in version after version, after version after that, as he keeps trying to refine his conceptual tools And, um, you know, that's kind of the big picture. And so if you think about spirituality the way that that Ash and I kind of constructed it for this volume where um, the political is a expression of spirituality and spirituality Mm. fuels and funds political engagement, um, then that was with Bart from the absolute very beginning. Mm.
2: Mm. I think um, just to add briefly to that, it, it does... I mean, I don't have a di- a direct answer like that to um, you know the the sort of intellectual development that might happen between those transition points for Bart. Um, but what what I can say in relation to our volume is that there was never a kind of fixed picture for Bart as to what spirituality is mm-hmm. um, or should be. Um, it was heavily kind of particularized according to context you know time life what he was reading Um, in other words it evolves and changes and shifts and transitions over the course of his life Uh, and one way you know when we're trying to think how we're gonna how we're gonna cut this cake of you know the dogmatics and then some Mm -hmm. um, we've we settled on this format of having you know four parts to the volume which are thematically governed um but also hopefully make sense within a rough bartian sensibility but then organize within those four parts the specific primary texts um in, in in a chronological order to try just to keep track of those transitions and shifts between you know bart moving from his early period into you know um you know, those early cycles of lectures and then into the dogmatics and beyond. Um, just to say actually that, you know, that's something that's also true to the way in which if there is a theology of spirituality in Barthes' writing, it's 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 not there's not a blueprint, you know, it's not this something that's just fixed um from the beginning and is the same throughout. It's 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 very ha- carefully kind of contextualized and Again, this is another level of the slipperiness because mm-hmm. you're thinking, you know, which bit of BART actually um, are, you, are, you, are you dealing with here? So um so that's another, you know, good example of you know, you know this is why, you know, Bart needs to be read contextually. Um, and we hope that at least the volume tries to do some justice to that need um through its arranging of the sources, but also um this is a battle that we had with the publishers. The 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 loving attention we gave to the to the, to what we thought were, were footnotes, <laughs> um, which ended up becoming end notes. Um, but the end notes are really important because they offer that sort of contextualization. You know, when was yeah. this text written? Yeah. Where, you know, where, where are we getting it from? Which bit of you know Bart's writings is is this text from? What else was he writing and reading? and what sits around it, you know, words gain their meaning by the company they keep. And, you know, this is so true of the texts that we've assembled in this volume. So so yeah, no direct answer to your question, but it does, you know, at, at least bring us to the volume and how, how we've gone about carving up, you know, this 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 world of Bart spirituality.
1: Nash, I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but writing those little um, contextual notes i think was maybe the funnest part i really like (laughs) i really i enjoyed doing it because you know we we didn't have a lot of space to work with so you had to get in and get out you had to to say something meaningful you know um about how to how to locate this particular selection within that broader context and it was a real challenge and you know pulling together the different timelines that you need to keep track of for that. I just, I found that to be a really um, rewarding exercise.
0: Within the sections that you guys, uh, that you just spoke of, are there any uh, favorites for you personally that you find yourself keep coming back to?
2: Well, actually this, you know, books generate books. So off the back of this book, um, I've just finished uh, a book on glory. Mm. So the sections on glory um, only a few pages in our book have then gone on to fuel some you know uh, some some further work um but then we've also have we got a section on joy i think we have or have we not maybe it's on rejoicing but um if we haven't this is again another thing you know why why didn't we include you know that section um but um there's certainly a kind of the 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 the, the, the doxological sort of um positive um feeling that i think you get from some of these texts is is something that i'm continuing to think through in relation to the theme of joy um in 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 another project that i'm working on so i'd i'd probably go for those sorts of you know those sorts of texts but especially the glory one you know for that's you know that theocentric richness as we've discussed earlier on hmm. and
1: ash of course especially likes the prayer sections and i of course especially like the baptism section yeah. and all right. of that but i the one that i constantly come back to um it's in the politics section with won't surprise ash um and it's actually a selection from um one of the gespraca volumes um bart's table talk so to speak Hmm. um bart in conversation i think the translated title is and it's a section where bart's talking about totalitarianism which you know is something he knew about through personal experience you know historically and something that continues to be a good thing to know about and to have some context on and um, so this is from page 244 to 45 in our text and it's from that barton conversation volume bart says the church knows that all the totalities of the world and society and also of the state are actually false gods and therefore lies In the end, you don't have to be afraid of lies. And in the church, one can know that. Whenever the church takes these lies seriously, then it is lost. With all calmness and in all peace, it must treat them as lies. And the more that the church lives in humility and knows that we too are only human and there are also many lies in us, then it will also know all the more surely that God sits in governance over and against the lies that are in us. And over and against the lies in the world and in the state and wherever else they may be. And in that case, the church, regardless of the circumstances and no matter how entangled and difficult the situation, remains at its task and knows itself to be forbidden to fear for its future. Its future is the Lord. He, not the totalitarian state, is coming to the church.
2: Hmm.
1: I mean, it's just a beautiful reframing yeah. and it, it brings out, you know, for my money, what makes the reformed theological tradition, the reformed theological tradition is its preoccupation with idolatry. And so Barth's ideas of lies here and false gods in connection with a totalitarianism, it's his reformed theologian um, coming to the surface very clearly. And I just love it. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to be afraid of lies. And in the church, you can know that. Mm-hmm. So you treat them like lies
2: love it no. this, this is this is the problem i think that bar i remember when I, was, I i talked to paul nemo about the book way back and he said oh you've got a real challenge because bart's just so quotable and yeah. you know there's there's just so much that we could have included in here that would have worked so well <laughs> but you know that's a great example of just how quotable Bart is I'm actually going to revise. I, I don't. I'm going to scrap my glory and you know joy thing and think actually some of my favourite okay. texts are the are the bookends in the parts. You know the yeah. prayers and the sermons, mm-hmm. um, and that's I think says something quite. I I don't know if we say this specifically in the introduction, um, but it is to make the claim that if you're going to talk about um, spiritual practices and spirituality, then you're, you're better off talking about it in the particular than. In the general, and I think that's a fair Bartian move. Mm-hmm. And Bart doesn't reflect, I was going to say at, at, at length, but really at all on his own spiritual life or whatever. Um, but he does, but there are two things that we knew about Bart, and everyone knows that he prays and that he preached. Um, and these are two kind of concrete, uh, genuinely concrete things, uh, tangible things in Barth's life that relate, I think, quite specifically to um, the theme of spirituality and spiritual practice, the, the prayers which he published very reluctantly, um, and the sermons that we don't actually know whether he preached them or others preached them or whatever, hmm. um, but at least they they feel very kind of concretely related to Barth's life, and I reckon that's the kind of closest you're going to get to, you know, the man in that sense
0: that's great well i have one more question for you and it's a bit of a fun one um it is uh i end every every episode with a game of desert island um so the idea is you're trapped on a desert island you're given one primary source from bart you can't say the entire church dogmatics i know everyone says it's one book but you know what i mean it, you have to be able to buy it uh in one volume um And one secondary source. Um, Which two books are you bringing and why? Travis, we'll start with you.
1: My goodness. Um, Must be nice to be the one writing the rules for such an arbitrary exercise.
0: (laughs) Um, If you have extras, I'll take them.
1: So it has to be a primary source from BART and a secondary source about BART? Yeah. Okay. Um, Dogmatics 2-2. And... Ash's book
2: oh Travis that you know that is do I have to say your book now you don't have to yeah yeah I think um I, I think it would be fair to reach beyond church dogmatics um and that's something that we wanted to do in the book as well there is a lot of church dogmatics in there but you know there's a world beyond church dogmatics um, but and, Ash, and it's, still... it's a
1: desert island. You need something that's going to take a long time to read.
2: Yeah, that's that's true, but you can reread, you can always reread. I guess so. Um <laughs> so you know, I I still think you know, Bart's at its best towards the end. Um and you know, evangelical theology is is just such a rich and rewarding. Mm-hmm. It's the sort of read actually that you want on a desert island because it's a nice text. <laughs> <laughs> So I'd, I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably go with that. As for a secondary, secondary literature, um, does it have to be on? Is it Bart scholarship, or could it just be? That was the rule. He said it. Um. Uh, let me think. Who did? Um, sorry, I should have given this some thought before. <laughs> I
0: um, just given me a recommended reading list right now. That's that's the goal of this really.
2: Oh, I tell you what.
0: <laughs> there you go. It's,
2: it's it's actually it's an Aberdeen, you know, theologian um Declan Kelly's book on Peyton. uh on on Satan. Yeah. Um and I think that was actually a really compelling read. Um and something that is is a book that it's a what book, book that is keeps this, Ash? <laughs> It's called the Defeat of Satan. It's it's in the new it's it's Clark um you know reformed series, Um, but it's a really I think creative reading and handling of 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 Bart stuff, and there you've got a really nice you know combination of of the lovely cozy Bart of uh, evangelical theology on the one hand, and then the devil on the other.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that sounds awesome. I'm I'm toying with putting together a class here that would get into the devil and so on. And so I've been reading a number of books and I'm going to add that to the list. That's a great recommendation. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. It, just came, out took me and, uh, so, it just came out as a paperback as well. I, I know that he just posted re- really better. recently. <laughs> ah,
2: there you
1: go, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: But so I feel I like now man, because
1: but... Ash's picks were so thoughtful, um, I need to to be more thoughtful about explaining mine. Um, I love church dogmatics too, too, because it was the first thing I read in the church dogmatics with Mark husbands way back in the day. And, um, I have reread it multiple times. I have had students who wanted to do their like senior projects on it. Um, and it makes that transition from dogmatics to ethics, which I think is, you know, at the heart of everything, um, so I just really, really love that part volume. And I, I said Ash's book to be funny, but also very seriously, because it's about prayer. And if you're going to be on a desert island, you probably want to pray and be thoughtful about what that is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe it's it's my own attempt to think, OK, if I'm on a desert island, I'm going to need to develop some kind of inner life. And maybe <laughs> maybe Ash will help me.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> You you should be. You should be my like agent or something, Travis. Yeah. If, that was, if that was the blurb on the other on the back of the book, I'd be a rich man at this. Point. <laughs> yeah. Useful
0: for desert islands. That's yeah. on
1: the back. This is this is the it book was, I would pick to have on a desert island. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it, it will save your life. <laughs> that's Pretty much what you said, wasn't it, Travis?
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, that's all I have for you guys today. uh Thank you so much. Just again for being willing to take the time to do this. Really. I enjoyed the book and learned a ton from you both already. And Travis, I'd love to read your, your book on baptism and do this again sometime just to hear, hear some of that. Um, but yeah, this has been great. So thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carl Barr podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review in your podcast app, it will help others find the show. And if you have any feedback or questions, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. The handle is at BART Podcast. That's all for me now. I'm excited to keep learning with you all, and I appreciate you listening. See you next month.